everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 316. And tonight we are on schedule. We are talking about two episodes of Lore Olympus. At the time this episode drops, one of them is a regular episode and one of them is a fast pass episode uh, that will be available as time this records in two days. So At something like that, yeah. <laughs> time is weird. Anyway, uh, so first of all, we are going to talk about that, and then we've got a few other nerd things to talk about. But jumping straight in to Laura Olympus, episode 195, this picks up where we left off last time. Cerberus has shown up in the mortal realm, and nobody has any idea why. Yeah, and he's barking, and everybody is panicking, and the nymphs are running for their lives, and at least one person was going, save the beer! So I think the nymphs still do like to party a lot. But mm. And Cerberus is in his full-on huge towering form. He's not three-headed, but he's still pretty scary. And Artemis comes up to him, and she's trying to talk to him, and she's standing in front of him, and he's barking, and she finally just starts shouting, stop yelling! at me. So everybody's really delighted that the idea that she can actually communicate with animals, I think at least a little bit. So I I have to wonder what Cerberus was saying to her when he was shouting like that. I have no idea. But Persephone, of course, runs up to him and everybody is freaked out and he actually stomps her to the ground and she's lying there and Artemis, you see her getting ready to put a bow and put a bow and arrow into him, put an arrow into him. And Persephone is like, wait, 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 let's see if he remembers me. And he kind of gives her a big sniff and then he slobbers all over and there's this, the caption says big flop and he just flops over on the ground. Oh, and uh, Persephone is just so traumatized because he's like her baby and she has no idea what he's doing there. She finds out that he's wounded on his paw because you spotted the uh, the bleeding on his paw Mm -hmm. in the end of the last episode and she convinces him to shrink down to normal dog size. And me Meanwhile, Eris, the goddess of discord, and Artemis are watching all this, and they're trying to figure out what's going on, and they both agree Hades would never let anything happen to that dog, Mm -hmm. so something's obviously very amiss in the underworld right now. So meanwhile, while this is going on, we cut over to Hebe, who is hanging out with her nephew, Storge. And I'm not familiar about the god Storge. I need to look that up. I'm sure it's hilarious. But um, they're kind of doing a makeup day. Yeah, somebody actually pointed out Storge is the god of familial love. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) But he notices that, you know, there's something kind of bugging her. And apparently, she had been practicing with him all the things she wanted to say to Zeus. But it, I don't know, she just couldn't go through with it. And Storage gives her a pep talk by saying, you know, who can make a hundred mimosas in 30 seconds? And she says, me. And he said, that's right. You're the North Star of brunch and don't you forget it. (laughs) So she tells him that she really does feel like she needs to go spend some time with her mother. So she goes to visit Hera and Hera's asleep. And apparently Hera's been asleep for a while. And Hebe is really upset about this. I mean, she's trying to be brave, but she just, she wants Hera to wake up so they can all be a family again. She's not sure that Zeus is making all the right decisions. And she doesn't really think that, you know, just giving him this completely unquestioning support is a good idea. And Zeus is like standing outside the room and hearing all this. And he's not pissed off. He's upset. So I don't, I mean, he tells, you know, because she's talking to Hera this whole time. And she's telling her that she really thinks that 
whatever Zeus is doing, it's prolonging Hera's, quote, sleeping sickness. So we don't know what's going on, but I get the idea Zeus is involved somehow. Yeah, I automatically assumed it was what we had talked about when he cut Olympus off from the mortal realm. I mean, that's where the gods get their worshippers, and that's their strength. And I guess Zeus may be able to get around it because he's the king of all the gods. So in the end, everything would go to him first and then everybody else second. Um, but it, it's not, it doesn't look like all of the gods are suffering. I mean, right now, right now, it's just Hera. So, yeah. yeah. And there was something that um, was pointed out in the Lore Olympians uh, Instagram post that when Hebe and Storage are having makeup day and they're taking photos, she's taking pictures with a Polaroid camera. And, you know, maybe that's her being you know, cool and retro, but also those pomegranate phones were something that was provided by the underworld. So this oh. could also be another sign of the fact that Olympus is not getting a lot of the supplies that it was used to getting. So people are having to make do. Yep. So we go back to the mortal realm where Persephone is taking care of Cerberus and she knows that something has got to be wrong and she just really, really wishes that she could somehow find out what's happening to Hades. And Artemis tells the story about a dragon that had been captured and had been held in place by a chain. But after a while, the chain wasn't needed because the dragon had forgotten what it was like to not be chained. Yeah. And she tells Persephone, you don't have a chain and everybody will support you. Everybody will stand up against Zeus's wrath. So you do need to go and find out what's happening in the underworld. And I thought that was a really nice change from how Artemis was back when Persephone was first hanging out in the underworld when she just pretty much figured that Hades was a big old pervert and that Persephone needed to be saved from the underworld. So I think Artemis has been doing a lot of growing in the last 10 years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So then there's a a tiny little montage of Persephone getting ready. I love there was this beautiful image of her kind of like all hugging all the nymphs. But there was something so stylized and Greek about it. I can't describe it, but it's just... It was a wonderfully composed image. Really lovely. I mean, the artwork is always good, but that was an especially nice picture. But the episode wraps up with her. She's dressed in all in black. It looks like like a traveling toga or something like that. And she goes marching into the portal of the underworld. And that's where the episode stops. Yep. Yep. So we're going now to episode 196. If you're listening to this as the day it comes out, this will not come out for another couple days. So if you're not fast passing, you might want to stop now and fast forward a little bit. And we'll talk about some other stuff later. But um, so yeah, big spoiler warnings for episode 196. So we start from Zeus's point of view, and he's remembering Hera having quote, attacks. And you can see, you know, various pictures of Hera wearing different outfits, kind of like clutching her side in pain. And at some point, the attacks got so bad that she passed out, and then she never woke up again. And it's it's the scars that are starting to bleed that is, that is the attacks. And so it isn't something that Zeus has done, but at the same time, he's looking down at Hera, who's asleep, and he says, sometimes I think I may be the worst thing that ever happened to you, which is... Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. It's a surprisingly self-aware thing for Zeus to say. 
doesn't seem like he's actually doing anything about it. Nope. But nope. he gets a call on the phone, and it's from Poseidon's wife. Yeah, Amphorite, I believe, is the name. Hang on just a minute. <laughs> I, I got this pulled up. I've been listening to a lot of that podcast that you uh, recommended. Oh, yeah, uh, Tig and Cheryl True Story. Yeah, yes. I love the whole thing. They're just like, uh, how do we pronounce it? I guess we'll never know. <laughs> yeah, there's no way to know. <laughs> Hang on. Amphitrite or Amphitrite, I think, is. Okay. And what she wants to know is what is Zeus doing to make things better because Poseidon is also in a coma. Yep, yep. And that means we have to wonder who else is in a coma. I mean, we haven't seen Hestia. She obviously was having some kind of attacks and couldn't attend that store opening. Um, something's happened to Hades because Cerberus got hurt and got away. And that, that's those two things wouldn't have happened if Hades had still been um, conscious. Yeah. And Zeus gets pulled off of the phone by the arrival of Athena, who really needs him to attend to something. So I get the idea Athena is calling him over to the fact that Hestia is probably not doing well either. Right. So it is all of the original traitors to mm-hmm. the rule of Kronos. Um, except for Zeus, because Zeus didn't have any scars like everybody else did. I mean, and right. oh, we also have to wonder what's going on with Demeter. I mean, she's got none of her powers and she's trapped in the mortal realm. And she also has scars from the battle with Kronos. Oh, I completely forgot about that until you mentioned that. Yeah, that's not cool. And meanwhile, I mean, Persephone doesn't know any of that. If she knew that Hera and Poseidon um, and Hestia were out of commission, um, I'm sure, I mean, obviously she'd be worried about Hades, but her next thought would be what's happening to my mother. But right now we go from, you know, all this that's happening to her going down into the underworld. And there's kind of this moment where it looks like she's, I don't know, I I couldn't quite interpret it. It's like she's sending energies down. And I sort of thought it was like, you know, we had that promo image for this part of the season with one of her vines going down into the underworld. But there definitely seemed to be like an effort to break through this volcano that she was going into to get into the underworld. And at the same time, it was a flashback to her crashing to Earth after the trial and how just utterly bereft she was when she was separated from Hades. And she actually tells herself, I can't think about these things right now. So she's still dealing with trauma, but we're not exactly sure what all those images meant. For a second, it almost looked like some of the tendrils that were coming off of her hands were those musical staffs that were used to illustrate her trauma from Apollo. So yeah, Yeah. she she may still not have dealt with all of that. I don't know. She certainly can't um, go to her therapist Chiron if she's, you know, down in the mortal realm. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because Chiron was in the underworld, right? Or Uh, yes, I think she was actually. Interesting. One thing that I really liked, and you can only see this if you read the episodes on your phone, because as far as we can tell, it doesn't work on desktop. A desktop will give you a little note that says, oh, yeah, there's sound with this episode. There's music with this episode. I've never made it work with desktop. I haven't either. I had thought at first that it was timed to start at a certain thing. I believe it's actually triggered when you scroll to a certain section of the episode. But it's just this... I don't know, ambient kind of sound, this music that starts in her journey down to the underworld. And it just, it really enhances everything. Yeah. And the images as she's, you know, 
jumping from pillar to pillar across a chasm and crawling through these tight spaces. And she's walking across a bridge. And at one point you pull out and you see the bridge that she's walking along is in front of this gigantic statue of a face with like water pouring from the eyes. I mean, all these really very fascinating images that of her and her descent into the underworld, which a lot of people in the comments have pointed out Persephone in this story was not kidnapped by Hades and taken to the underworld. She just goes charging in all in her own self. That's right. I think that's so awesome. And while she's going, she's kind of hoping that everybody's okay, which is a good thing to worry about because the nymphs, like you said, they do like to party. So hopefully they'll behave themselves. But she was worried about Eris, the goddess of chaos and strife. And we get a flashback to how Eris ended up there. Eris had actually been put through with a spear, right? Yeah, by Apollo. Yeah, that's right. So they find her and Persephone comes up. I love how she like, you know, puts her thumb on the edge where the kind of the spear is piercing her. And I've, I've been seeing this more and more often. It's probably been around for a while. and I haven't noticed it. When you're talking about somebody like licking something, M-L-E-M. So it's nim, nim, nim. <laughs> That's a great way of doing it. Uh, But she instantly knows exactly what's wrong. And she calls for the nymphs to take her in. And Eris had said, you know, it it burns, please help me. But when they're taking her in, Eris asked Persephone, why are you helping me? And Persephone just looks down and she looks kind of tired, but she just looks also kind of done with any kind of pretense. And she said, because you said, please. Yeah. And Eris kind of grins at that. So I think... I I would have never expected that. I expected that when we first saw Eris, that she was going to be a new bad guy to make everybody's life hell. And she's actually pretty on Persephone's side. I think the commenters had it right when we first saw the connection between Eris and Persephone and that she gave Persephone a gift. And the commenters said that the uh, gift that she gave her was fucking rage. (laughs) (laughs) So awesome. But... So as Persephone's walking along, she's kind of hears like a crunch and she's like, mm, that's my imagination. And this shadow appears over her of like a, a rearing snake's head with an open mouth. And she's like, well, maybe not my imagination. And something grabs her. And she's the thing, whatever it is, this huge, you know, Roman soldier looking thing with glowing eyes just tells her to stop running spy and tackles her. And she says, I'm not a spy. I'm not a spy. And then you see the soldier Persephone. And I think it's Hermes. I, okay, I, isn't it funny, I saw the eyes and I thought Ares for some reason, though that's not Mm. Ares, uh, that's not his usual armor, but I don't know. But yeah, it would make a lot more sense for it to be Hermes because he went to the underworld. Yeah, that's right. Mm. So, and that is where the episode ends. That's it. So, we could tell, I could, I could fast pass two more episodes right now. I am trying to make myself not do that because it's just going to be even longer until I get more stories. So I'm like, I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait. I mean, I don't, I don't want this series to end. And at the same time, I have this usual impulse of, I want everything to be wrapped up where everyone has a happy ending and then they stop the story so people can't suffer anymore. So do we know how many episodes she plans on having this series run? I have no idea. I don't think she said, you know, 
don't know. And I haven't heard any more about the Netflix series. I'm sure things are moving along. But you never know about stuff like that. I don't know. Netflix is doing pretty bad right now. Yeah, because they had to crack down on people sharing passwords. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think they've had a couple of raises in the fees. And a lot of people are bailing on them. And apparently they just recently laid off like 150 people. Yeah, so yeah. there are a few shows that have now been canceled. So I don't know what that means for Laura Olympus. Yeah, we were big fans of Jeff Smith's Bone comic back in the day. Mm-hmm. And Netflix was the latest attempt to get a series. And we got the word, I guess it was a couple months ago. And he's just, he's so, he drew a cartoon about it. And it's all in terms of like Phony Bone, who was the bad guy in the series, sort of, and Phone Bone. And Phony Bone is in Lucy's position holding the football. And it's like Warner Brothers and then Netflix and all like, yeah, we're going to do a series. Ha <laughs> ha, no, we're not. So it's just, poor guy. So yeah, no, yeah, who knows? That might, and apparently... They had hired a bunch of people to be more represent representative. I guess that's what I'm looking for. There's no way to know. And um, <laughs> people who were, you know, represented LGBTQ and different minorities just to give Netflix a better voice. But they had to do layoffs, and with a lot of layoffs, it's last in, first out. So all of these voices they hired were a big percentage of the people that they just let go. So that really sucks. I know. They did that at work several years ago where they had to do this huge round of layoffs and they did a big meeting where they talked about it and a bunch of people wanted to know, is this because, you know, the performance reviews had just come out and they said, absolutely not. We want to make sure this is not a merit-based thing. It is specifically the last people that were hired are the first people out. And believe it or not, that is kind of demoralizing in its own way, because you are basically being told your value depends on how long your butt has been in that seat. Right, right. I don't know. I just, we, we had so many rounds of layoffs at the paper and it got to the point, like every layoff is an excuse for um, bosses to let go of people they don't like. I mean, that's, nobody wants to admit (laughs) it, but that's a thing. But we had so many layoffs at the paper by the end there were no more bad people. I mean, there were just, there were only good people. And so you call it like layoff by dartboard where it's like, we're going to lay off this person and then this person, you know? Oh, awful, awful. Horrifying. Let's move on to a better subject. Oddly enough, Netflix related. So Netflix has actually released some of the episodes. Have they released all of them? They released one early. Did they release all the episodes of Love, Death and Robots? I think they have actually. Uh, They're doing a new setup where you can actually from the main screen that you would normally select the show, they've got at least one row where you can select each individual episode and watch that. Or you can just go into the show like normal and do the the episodes thing. But yeah, I watched the three robots one. Me too. (laughs) Man, it is like you had told me you said some people might find it preachy but it's very good and I'm like oh yeah it's definitely preachy but it's not wrong either no it's it's the robots again looking at the wreckage of human civilization and laughing at how idiotic humans could be that they got themselves to this position and and this one is focused more on the whole surviving the apocalypse mentalities, mm-hmm. like the people who are in the survivalist cults. And they really point out this idea. Some of these people were looking forward to the apocalypse. And yeah. you see this all the damn time because like when the world ends, it means we were right and everybody else was wrong. And now I get to shoot people that I yeah. don't like. And I've seen... A lot of people have pointed this out, that all these survivalist cults, they're all focusing on who they get to shoot and how much ammo they can stockpile. Who's the 
person that you're going to find that's, you know, experienced in doing fiber craft or leatherworking or finding, you know, herbs and stuff and foraging for your own food and all that. And you like carpentry and everything, all this building stuff that you need in order to be able to keep your civilization moving along. Why is it always just the let's shoot people folks that are focusing on this? I, you know, God, this, that's a, that's a quick question with a very long answer, I'm sure. But <laughs> interesting that you would talk about not getting the people who can actually do things. So they look at a survivalist camp and then they go to an oil rig that had been converted to like a luxury apocalypse survival place. So only the richest of the rich would go there. And they didn't, well, of course, the seas got filled with microplastics and they, you know, they didn't know what they were doing because it was all the very, very rich. And they said there were a lot of tech billionaires there. And they said, what's a tech billionaire? It's like, it's a regular billionaire, but with a hoodie and a lot of social anxiety. And I'm like, yeah, but there weren't anybody, there wasn't anybody there who was not a billionaire. They had staffed it with AI and robotics. And that led to another problem because the AI didn't like the humans. And they could tell basically all of these billionaires to go fuck themselves. And there was nothing they could do about it. Yep, and they yep. had they had a hologram showing up and she's being all cheery. And one of the robots decides to test it by asking her for something. And she basically says no and flips them off. So yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> I love that. And of course, the robots are impressed because she's like, oh, this was it. This was the robot uprising that's awesome this is this is our our progenitors it was just hilarious now i thought we had the survivalist camps which is unfortunately like that does tend to be a lower echelon of society and then on the flip side you have the high-end luxury side and i thought that's all we would have but they actually kind of went a little further they looked at the government side like what would happen to the most powerful governments in the world during an actual apocalypse and they went down into their bunkers and they had everything staffed and everything prepared and something went wrong with the hydroponics and they went the democracy route and had people draw their names out of a hat to see who would get eaten that night. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, trigger warnings for like bodies and skeletons all over the place in this thing. It is gruesome. Really? And the little, um, I don't know the names of any of the robots that they actually said, because one of them was like the little uh, child-sized babysitting robot. And he's mm -hmm. here like talking about what wine pairs best with the uh, secretary general. And he's like oh, pouring this gloop out of a wine bottle. Mm. But yeah, so that's, I mean, I'm not sure if they had, I mean, obviously it's a value thing. And the fact that it's like the end of Dr. Strangelove is all the politicians who can pull a spot in this safe place, get to go in there and everybody else is done for, but all you're just one disaster away from everybody and they're dying anyway. Yep, 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 yep. So the last thing they do is I didn't see this coming either. It's the people who actually wanted to escape the planet and they set up rockets to go to Mars. And one of the robots is just like, why go to Mars? It's a lifeless planet. They could take these billions of dollars they have and actually fix the planet they're on. And I'm like, mm, truth. <laughs> yes. The How to Drink uh, channel, Greg talks a lot about tech billionaires and this whole thing where they were they were putting themselves into orbit and they're just like they're pouring money into these vanity projects and they do yeah. nothing and I think it might even I can't remember if it was him or somebody else on Twitter who was talking about the fact that all of the people who are worried that these 
ultra billionaire people are just going to buy their way into a colony on Mars? They said, don't worry about it. I mean, there is, we are literally decades away from being able to support life on another planet. And if any of these people go up into space, they're still going to be miserable. They're going to be incredibly uncomfortable. I mean, it's not a cushy job to be up in a space station where death is literally trying to get at you all the damn time. Seriously, space is trying to kill you. So yeah, that's not a good environment for somebody who's not used to doing a lot of work. And there was um, some of this did remind me of uh, World War Z. Did you ever get around to reading that? I never did. Uh, You know what? I want to read the book and I want to see the movie. The trailers to that movie really freaked me out. I mean, the zombies piling up in those waves and everything. I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. But everybody I've talked to who saw the movie thought it was great. Yeah, well, it does sound like it's great. It also has nothing to do with the way the book is set up. I mean, the book is cool for the fact that it's like an oral history of the zombie war. So it's like Mm. a little, it's a mini short story in every chapter from somebody's point of view. But they did talk about that, about trying to set things back in motion to get civilization going. And you have so many useless people who have no abilities beyond, you know, being a tech billionaire, basically. And what are they going to contribute to society when there's no money and there's no tech? Right, right. Though I worry about that sometimes. I mean, I, I plant stuff on my balcony and, you know, I know how to sew some stuff, but I'm a graphic designer. I mean, what good am I going to be during the apocalypse? I really don't know. Hey, I collect medical licenses for my um, job, so I'm not sure how that applies to the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, no, I need to start learning some skills. But anyway, anyway, so the little robot actually notices that there's a video. One of the rockets actually did make it out. And you get to see the launch and then you see Mars and this little table with like a little frou-frou-y drink on it and everything and someone in a spacesuit. And the spacesuit helmet opens up as the figure lifts up the drink and it's the cat from the previous episode. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. He says, what were you expecting? Elon Musk? And then he starts drinking the drink and it's just, oh, it's so adorable. And I was really kind of fascinated by the fact that the big hulking robot, I mean, not the pyramid shaped one and not the little babysitting one, but the one that's obviously kind of like a killbot. Uh, he seemed to be the one that was the most perturbed at human suffering and the entire civilization dying. And he was actually happy when he saw the rocket had taken off and some people had managed to escape. So it's probably a good thing that he didn't see that it was just the intelligent cats managing to leave the planet. Yeah. It's interesting if you go to the credits for the very first Three Robots episode, the triangular robot doesn't have a voice credit because it was apparently an auto-created voice. It's like there's no actress behind it. There is a credit for this time. So I'm not sure if maybe they realized that, I don't know, maybe the auto-created voice for the first one was actually based on a woman's voice at some point was sampled. I don't, I have no idea how that works. But yeah, she did get a credit this time. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to the rest of the episodes. I think this is going to be fun. So still on the Netflix topic, you just got done watching episode five of Arcane. Yes. And it took me a long time to finish episode three. And I hadn't realized that this series is done in three acts with three episodes for each act. Now, by the time you get to the end of 
episode three, that is a gut punch of an ending. I oh mean, my goodness. this whole time, I mean, you've got all this conflict between Piltdown and the Undercity and, you know, personal conflicts, but mostly it seemed to be about these plucky kids in the Undercity who were trying to make a name for themselves and fight for what was right. And most of them are dead by the end of the third episode. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And then the father figure who had looked out for them all that time, he dead too. And and unfortunately, I mean, Vi and Powder are the two sisters that, I mean, this is like an origin story for these two characters from the um, League of Legends video game. Huh? But Vi has been so supportive of Powder, who was just so freaking young. I mean, what is she, like nine years old? Some, and she's, she's, she's yeah. trying to hold her own, but everybody's telling her that she's useless in a fight. And she gets left behind when they go to save their father figure, Vander. And she's, she just can't let it go. She wants she to She has a friggin' meltdown. Yeah. I mean, and she, she just, oh, yeah. The animation on their faces in this show is just really impressive. But so she wakes up a, one of her little, like, mechanized bombs using one of those mana crystals that she had stumbled across. And she basically kills everybody. Yeah. The whole time when everybody was always like, oh, you're too young and you're useless and you're a jinx and all this kind of stuff. I was like, oh, they're being so hard But I saw that happen. I was like, holy freaking cow. What did she think was going to happen? Just setting off an explosion in the middle of a fight. And it was really heartbreaking that it seemed like Vi and um, Milo and what was the, is it Clancy? I can't remember. The other, the, the big bulky guy? No way to know, but yeah, <laughs> it looked like they had just about gotten Vander free and were breaking out of the uh, building and were going to be able to save him. And then Powder sets off that explosion and people die. And you see yeah. Milo like get impaled and then look up and see the ceiling fall on him. So yeah, he did. Everybody he did. did. And of course, I thought for just a second that Vi was going, because of course Vander told her before he died, you know, to look after Powder. And I thought for just a second that she was going to pull it together to be just like, I have to, I have to look at, I, I have to put my feelings aside and I have to take care of her. Oh no, she absolutely just eviscerates her verbally. Yeah, she, she just, I mean, I knew we were in trouble when she just looks around at everything because Powder comes up. She's like, did you see it? I finally managed to make one of my bombs work. I saved everybody. And Vi just looks up and she says, you did this? And I thought, oh no, here we go. So she rejects Powder, absolutely, completely, totally leaves. And not before calling her a jinx though, like Milo had always called her. That's important. Yes, Yes, it is. And Powder ends up being found by the bad guy whose name I cannot remember. Um, But I was really impressed about, like, he's obviously evil. He's totally evil and everything. But in that moment when he found her, it was like the tenderest, most gentle thing. And he just, he says something like, where's your sister? And she says, I don't have a sister. And he says something like, we'll show them all. Because he and Vander, I don't know if they were actually brothers, but they were definitely like the closest of friends before his decision to try to take down Piltdown ran up against Vander's decision to not get into a conflict that was getting a lot of people killed. And I think when he looked and saw Vander's body dead, obviously, and he just remembered all that about the two of them and being broken apart completely and seeing somebody else who's just been completely rejected by the closest person to them in their entire life. And that was yep. where he... He just he found that core of sympathy and and takes her in. And meanwhile, 
Vi sees this happening or sees him like hovering over Powder and she tries to like go to save her. But Marcus, and that is one of the soldier folks that was actually working with the bad guy because he thought he could get some scapegoats to bring in and make his military career look good until his superior got murdered by the guy and he realized how dangerous this person was. And he like grabs Vi and I guess he's got chloroform or something. He says, no, don't. If he sees you, he'll kill you. And he drags her away. And you just like, and there's no coming back from that because that is all powder is going to be able to remember that Vi told her she was a jinx and the death of everybody that was close to them was entirely her fault and then left and never came back. Yep. Wow. That was, I mean, after that, I'm like, well, now I have to watch more. Yeah, it's true. It's funny how long it took me to watch that episode. I don't know why. But then when you see, once you see the ending, you're like, oh, oh, I'm in. Yeah, definitely. And the next episode picks up, I don't know, how many years later? Because everybody has definitely grown up a bit. Yeah. And um, the other storyline, Jace, the scientist who's trying to been, you know, make a name for himself using these mana crystals to try to harness magic in a technical way and he actually calls it hextech well yeah it's it's been long enough that all of the advances that he's come up with have completely revolutionized the entire city and now you have these big magical gates that can bring people from distant places right to the city and all this prosperity and everything so yeah there has been some time passed but i don't know how long no and powder is well she's jinx now she is like unhinged. She is. It is so cool to watch her in every scene. I mean, the first thing you see is her getting into a fight with people and she's just that that almost boneless kind of fighting skill where she is just tearing people apart and kicking people and she's got these gigantic boots on and this like really whip-thin frame of hers with these long braids. I mean, every single thing about the show is so aesthetically pleasing and she's oh, one yeah. of my favorite bits. But yeah, she gets freaked out because she sees She's Vi at the, or it is Vi, isn't it? One of the people that she's fighting. I, I, I feel like I wasn't sure about that. I think she may have hallucinated it. I don't know, but it definitely, she definitely thinks it's Vi and she freaks out entirely and pulls out this gigantic Gatlin gun and he's just mowing everything down. I mean, it doesn't matter. Friend, foe, the bulkhead of the ship that she's in. She's just plowing everything down and screaming the entire time. Man, this this show really does actually make me want to play the game, which I'm sure is, I mean, this is basically a very long commercial for the game. I'm okay with that. You know, if you make it pretty, <laughs> I'm in. That's fine. But yeah, it is just... It's the choreography's great. I think the animation's great. I think the faces are just stylized enough that you don't have too much the Uncanny Valley. I feel like they do a thing where everybody's kind of they, they talk with their mouths just like with their lower lip a little further out than you would expect. But that's a pretty nitpicky complaint. It's really well done. Yeah, it is. And yeah, so I'm on just finished episode five. Um, Got to get to episode nine. I have no idea how the series ends because I'm sure it all leads up to where everything is when the video game is going on. Because I think in right. the video game, Vi and Jinx are diametrically opposed already. And this is the story of how that happened. But I don't know how far we're going to go in that. No, I don't know. I don't know anything about the video game. Nope. I mean, all I know is that 
every time they would release some image from the game and it would come across, you know, like on Twitter because of the pixelated geek feed and everything, every image they always released from that game, I'm like, damn, that's pretty. Yeah, so pretty. Yeah, I've heard a lot of descriptions when I've been reading the reviews of the episodes. It's hand-painted animation, but there's also a lot of CGI. So it is a really pleasing hybrid that they've got going on here. And the colors are just stunning in every scene. I mean, like a neon uh, bar scene or, you know, the view of the entire cityscape with the airships floating along or parties and fashions or that one counselor, the uh, African-American woman with the beautiful painting on her face. So pretty. So pretty. Oh my goodness, she's so pretty. Do you remember those books years ago? Uh, the the story was not very interesting, but it was called Dinotopia. Yes, yes, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, I feel like they've got some people who have grown up in that school of like huge cityscapes of utopian gorgeousness, you know, with like ships and waterfalls and this soaring architecture and everything. And it's just so pretty. And I always remember being a little disappointed that the story in those books was not that interesting. Was not that interesting. The second book definitely was a little bit uh, worse as far as storyline. I mean, the first one, I think there was an actual idea of a story that the person illustrated. And the second one was give us some more artwork of people walking around with dinosaurs and we will write a story around it. Yeah, which doesn't always work, but sure was pretty though. Oh my goodness, yes. But I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week, so make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. We got confirmation. Lauren's going to Emerald City Comic Con! Yay! All right, I have, don't think I've seen any pictures from this Comic Con before. I'm very curious to see what it's like. I've seen some on Twitter. I'm just always... I mean, it's a nerd convention like other nerd conventions, but it's, I mean, it's in Seattle for crying out loud. It's, it's going to be awesome. Anyway, all that and more, pixelatedgeek.com. So next week, we're going to have a Night Vale episode to recap. And the week after that, we do Laura Olympus. So, you know, we're going to stick to this plan, I suppose. We seem to find a couple of things that we can obsess about rather than just the one. So yes. that's good. And I finally started watching the first season of the new doctor (laughs) though i told hannah that she's like the last one or the new new one i'm like no the last one that that new one not the new new one uh jody whatever um finally started watching that i have watched two episodes which were the episodes that i had already seen but it's been so long i had to get caught up um so yeah we'll we promise we're going to get caught up on that before the new doctor comes. Please, out. yes, we've got to do that somehow. Yeah. I can't believe I let it sit around this freaking long. Well, they didn't, you know, we didn't want to rent the episodes one by one. We kept thinking it was going to be available to stream somewhere, some place, any place. Good God! Yes, I highly recommend going to your local library and uh, checking out a copy there. That's where I got one. Ah, yes, that's an idea. Yes, but one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later.
thought there was a tangent that I was going to make about something. Nah, it's completely gone. <laughs> Laura Olympus. No, no, it was it was something about something about the artwork in um in Arcane. Nah, that's <laughs> uh, video games and cosplay. And, oh, it's entirely yeah. gone. Entirely gone. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to ditch that whole segue because I didn't think that sounded very good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll try that, I'll try that again.